You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Mark chapter 8, we begin reading in verse number 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels." Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're in Mark chapter 8, and I hope this uh, message will be a help and a blessing to you like it has been to me. Uh, I appreciate Brother George singing that song. How many of you uh, remember the old, uh, uh, old family Bible, maybe in the house? You remember those? And how many of you remember the family Bible was so big nobody could ever steal it? It was too big for that, right? Those things were massive. And uh, I thank the Lord for memories of uh, family devotions that my parents had with us. And you know, you may be here today and uh, maybe you don't have that. And uh, I'd encourage you to get it started. And uh, you say, well, my children are grown and children are gone, but I think it'd be a good thing for husbands and wives to pray together. And uh, sure would help you not to be mad at one another if you pray, pray, pray together. And uh, what a blessing that is. I thank the Lord for those precious memories. Mark chapter eight in your Bibles, we see that Jesus is speaking to the disciples. I want you to go back with me to verse number um, go back to verse number, uh, let's see here, verse number 31. And he began to teach them, the Bible says, and he's talking to his disciples. He began to teach them uh, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. This is some pretty serious stuff we're talking about. In verse number 32, he spake that saying openly. He, he told the disciples, he said, I am going to be rejected. I'm going to suffer. Uh, I'm going to be killed. And after three days, I'll rise again. And it says in verse 32 that Peter took him and began to rebuke him. That's not good. Peter says, Jesus, stop saying that. You don't know what you're talking about. Be quiet. He said, well, what kind of a man was Peter? Well, Look up with me, if you would, in verse number 27. Jesus asked the disciples, he said, Whom do men say that I am? He said, What are people talking? Jesus had, had been on the scene for a short time. He'd been prophesied for all throughout the Old Testament, but he's just been performing miracles and doing ministry. And he says, Who do people say that I am? And they said, Well, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you must be Elijah. You know, you've come back from the dead. And, and some say you're one of the prophets. And uh, I hope people around us know who Jesus is. But I'll, give you a, I'll give you a hint. They're not going to know who Jesus is unless we tell them. And for some people, the only perception or the only uh, uh, acknowledgement they have of Jesus is what they see in you and what they see in me. And may our lives be an example to share Jesus with people because people need Jesus. But Jesus asked them, he said, okay, what do men, who do men say that I am? But then he asked the disciples, he said, who do you say that I am? 
Peter answered and Peter said, thou art the Christ. Can you imagine how Peter must have been feeling at that point? He got the answer right. And not only did he get it right, but I'm sure he was kind of probably swelled up thinking, these other guys, they didn't get to answer that one, but I got the right answer. I just made it clear that Jesus is Christ. He is the Messiah. He is God. And the very next thing, Peter rebukes Jesus. Peter corrects Jesus. And maybe today, maybe you have been in both categories. Maybe there have been times where you've had so much faith, and maybe there's been times where you've had so much fear. By the way, I'm glad God uses people with faith, but God uses people with fear as well. And Jesus then took Peter and he rebuked Peter, verse 33, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, You have allowed Satan to speak through you. Friend, I want to tell you, this week you have an opportunity for God to speak through you or for Satan to speak through you. There's a lot of power in our words. How many of you know there's a lot of power in what we say? And may God help us not to be a mouthpiece for Satan, but may God help us to be a mouthpiece for him, to let the world know who Jesus is. Then we get to verse 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples... He saith unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts as we look at your word this morning. I need you, and we certainly as a people, we need you. I think of those who are watching this service online and those who may be listening by way of radio. Lord, every person that's tuned in, every person that's watching, uh, they do not need to hear from me, but they certainly need to hear from you. And we all need to hear from your word. And so I pray that you'd help me. Give me uh, the, the words to say. Give me the right way to say it. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would move in our midst this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I see in this passage, number one, verses 34 through 38, I see the crowd. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, but verse 34 says that then there were others that had gathered together. And as Jesus is speaking to this group of people, he makes a statement, and he says, whosoever will come after me. You know that word, whosoever, I'm, I'm glad that that word's in the Bible for many reasons, but that word, whosoever, it means anybody. It's an offer that is available to anyone. He says, anybody can be my disciple. Now, we see in this passage that there is no limit Jesus does not say the first 10 that, res that, that respond to this offer can be my disciple. Anybody, but there are some requirements. There is some criteria. He says, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That word whosoever is found in verse 35. Whosoever will save his life. Verse number uh, 35, whosoever shall lose his life. Verse 38, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed. This word whosoever, Jesus is speaking to anybody that will respond. Luke chapter 9 is the parallel passage to Mark 8. And in Luke 9, the Bible says, if any man. Aren't you glad that God will use anybody that will be willing to serve him? By the way, I'm glad that God will save anybody 
who is willing to call upon him. John 3, 16. Help me with this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Aren't you glad for whosoever? That's anybody. Anybody can be saved. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad that Jesus is willing to save anybody. I'm glad that Jesus is willing to use anyone. I'm glad that Jesus is willing to bless anyone who will be obedient to his word, whosoever. It's an open invitation. This morning, if I were to do this, and I'm not doing this, so make sure you're listening. Don't, don't zone out and then zone back in and take me out of context. I'm not doing this. But if I were this morning to say, we are inviting everyone in this auditorium, everyone on the radio, everyone online. We are inviting everyone to our house for lunch today. First of all, how many of you know I'd be in trouble? How many of you know I'd be in trouble because you've done that before? You've invited people without asking your wife. Is, are there any men that are honest enough to say, I've done that? Brother Billy, thank you. I'm not the only one. But how many of you know you may do that once, but you don't do that again, right? And so I'm not doing this, but if I were to say, anybody that wants to come to my house for lunch, you can come. Well, that's an open invitation. It's available for anybody. I'm not saying only the first five or the first ten. But then if I said, if anyone would like to come to my house for lunch, all you have to do is let me know right after the service. So there would be some requirements. You'd have to text me or you'd have to call me or you'd have to come and see me. But if I gave some requirements, it's something that anybody could do, right? And Jesus says, anybody can be a disciple. Anybody can follow me. Anybody can serve me. Anybody, if you will meet this criteria, it's available. I'm glad that Jesus didn't limit it to 12 disciples and he said nobody else can do it. I'm glad that Jesus is willing to use us today. And so the whosoever is, I'm speaking this morning to a crowd, but I want to tell you, God's speaking to you individually. God's knocking on your heart's door today. God wants to use you. And if you're here today and you're not saved, God is speaking to you today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart today and saying today is the day for you to get saved. There's the crowd, whosoever. Anybody can be saved. But then I see, secondly, in this passage, I see there's a challenge. Jesus said, whosoever will come after me. That word come, we saw that last week. The word come, it speaks of a time and it speaks of a place. Jesus is speaking to people and he's saying, I want you to come. I want you to leave where you are. I want you to leave your comfort zone. I want you to take time right now to come to where I am. That involves faith. The challenge that Jesus gives is a challenge of faith. It takes faith to follow Jesus. It takes faith to be a disciple. Just ask Peter and James and John and these disciples. They left everything. They left their family. They left their, their occupation. They left uh, their wealth. They left their plans. They left their dreams. They left it all to say, I'm willing to follow Jesus. They accepted the challenge. It's a challenge of faith. But secondly, it's a challenge to follow. Jesus says, uh, let him come after me. The end of the verse, and follow me. 
We must be willing to follow. It's a challenge not to follow your dreams, not to follow my dreams, not to follow our plans, but to follow Jesus wherever he leads. But then it's a challenge to forget about ourselves. Jesus said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. You see, Jesus was going to be crucified. Jesus was giving up what he wanted. He was giving up what he would choose. He said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And the challenge that Jesus extends today is a challenge to deny ourselves. How I many of you know that's hard? That, that's not easy because we like to make ourselves happy. We like to enjoy life. We like to have things our way. But the Christian life is a life that says, I'm not as concerned with what I want as much as I'm concerned with what God wants for me. But then I see the challenge to be faithful. Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up his cross. I love the songs that we sing about the cross. Don't you love those songs? The old rugged cross at Calvary. Uh, the cross made the difference. Can I tell you, the cross was not something that was cute. The cross was not something that was beautiful. The cross was something that represented torture and it represented death. And those men knew what Jesus was saying when he said, take up your cross. Taking up your cross was not a round trip. Taking up your cross was a one-way ticket. When you took up that cross, you were saying, I know where this is leading. I know I'm going to die. I know I'm going to suffer. And Jesus was not asking the disciples to do something that he himself was not willing to do. Because Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And Jesus was challenging the people, the men, the disciples, the, the crowd that was there. He was challenging them to take up their cross. This past Sunday, we had our missionaries, the Wells family, missionaries uh, to the deaf. And I hope you got to meet them. They, they, Sunday night, they did a song through sign language. And I don't know if you watched them, but every service, they were signing the hymns uh, like they would if they were in a, a deaf service. And, and I kept saying, we're so glad to have these missionaries with us, and what a blessing. Well, I think it was Sunday night or Monday night, Brother Curry, who's in the sound booth, which if you don't know Brother Curry, Brother Curry is a unique individual. Um, how many of you know Brother Curry? Let me see your hands. All right. So, you know, if you don't know him, you need to meet him. He's an amazing man. You're welcome. <laughs> I had to throw in that compliment because it's going downhill from here. <laughs> but Brother Curry, after one of the services, and, and they'd been here, and I kept announcing, we've got Brother Adam Wells and his wife Karen, their boys, they are missionaries to the deaf, and we're so glad they're here. Brother Curry said, oh, Pastor, I finally got it. He said, I thought you were saying they were missionaries to the death, D-E-A-T-H, to the death. And Brother Curry said, I thought, that's pretty serious. That's some real commitment. I mean, these aren't just missionaries for a few years. They're missionaries to the death, right, to the death. I said, Brother Curry, I said, that's not what I've been saying. I've been saying missionaries to the death with an F the people that can't hear, one of which you might be because you haven't heard me every time I've said it. Oh, and I laughed about that, and we laughed about that, and it was, it was awesome. But, you know, I got to thinking about that, and I thought, that's what most missionaries are. They've surrendered to serve God until God calls them home. That's what I want to be. 
I want to be a servant of the Lord till death, till God calls me home. And then I thought, you know, that's what all of us ought to be. We ought to be Christians. We ought to be followers. We ought to be disciples of Jesus Christ, not just for a while. Brother David taught in Sunday school today. Since Brother Dan was sick, Brother David taught the Victory Bible class, and I didn't know what you were going to teach, but in his lesson, he said, the average Christian serves God for seven years of their lifetime. Now, friend, I want to tell you, I thank God for seven years. That's better than no years. That's better than five years. But seven years for a Christian, that's all we're going to serve God? We ought to get signed up and say, I'm going to serve God till the day I die. I'm going to serve God no matter what. I'm going to serve God even when it's tough. I'm going to serve God even when people don't appreciate me and when people don't give me the recognition because I'm not doing it for them anyway. I'm doing it because I'm following him and be faithful unto death. Jesus said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There's a challenge. But then I see number three, there's a comparison. Verse 35, Jesus says, for whosoever, there it is, that word again, whosoever, anybody, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Now, hang on, that doesn't make sense, humanly speaking. But Jesus says, if you want to save something, you've got to lose it. But he said, if you want to lose something, go ahead and try to save it. How does that make sense? It's a paradox of the Christian life, and there are many of those. But for instance, did you know the Bible teaches that the only way to get something is to give? The Bible says the way to live is to die. The Bible says the way to win is to surrender. Oh, here's a good one. The way to be exalted is to humble yourself. Now, that doesn't make sense. That, that does not compute with our minds because the world says, if I'm going to be rich, I've got to save everything. I've got to hoard everything. I've got to keep everything. And I'm not giving anything away. I, you didn't work for it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. So you're not getting my stuff. That's what the world says. But Jesus says, if you want to be rich, if you want to have blessing, then learn the joy of giving. If you want to truly be victorious, you've got to be willing to surrender to the Lord. If you want to be exalted, you must first be willing to humble yourself. Jesus said, the greatest is not the Lord, but the greatest is the servant. The comparison is made. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you've got to lose it. If you want to lose your life, then go ahead and save it. And that's the way you will lose it. There's a comparison. But then we get to Verses 36 and 37, there's a consideration. Jesus said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You see, today, if you could gain the whole world, and, and maybe imagine, imagine the richest person you've ever known, and uh, someone who owned businesses and houses and, and, and bank accounts and all these things. Imagine the richest person that you knew. They would have very, very little compared to what this verse is talking about. Because this verse says, if you could gain the whole world, if you had the wealth of all of the world in your account, first of all, can you imagine how many zeros that would be? 
Uh, some of us have a lot of zeros. They're just on the, the wrong side, you know, of the decimal, right? But Jesus said, if you could gain the whole world, but if you lose your soul, then what good does it do? You see, the value of a soul to God is that he was willing to give his son to die. How many of you say that's pretty valuable that God would give his only son? The value of a soul to Jesus is that he was willing to come and he was willing to suffer and he was willing to give his life. I'd say that's pretty valuable. A soul is very valuable and Jesus was willing to die for souls. But what if I were to say this to Victory Baptist Church, a soul is worth, and we had to fill in the blank. I wonder what that would be. What about your life? What about my life? If we were to say, what's a soul worth to you? What is it worth for somebody to get saved? How much money? How much time? How much effort? Uh, how much uh, uh, investment? How much is it worth for one soul to get saved? I'll say this. If we here at Victory Baptist Church next summer will be 35 years of ministry, if we were to serve for 34 and a half years and one soul got saved, just one, it'd be worth it all. You see, there is no comparison when you value a soul compared to anything and everything that this world has to offer. And Jesus shows his disciples by, making that, uh, by posing that question, what is the worth of a soul? Quickly, number five, I see the consequences. In verse 38, Jesus said, whosoever, there it is again, anybody, for whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. There are consequences. Jesus says anybody can be a disciple, but if you don't want to be a disciple... If you don't want to follow me, if you don't want to identify with me, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. Whew. Those are pretty, pretty strong words. And I'm not saying that you lose your salvation. That's not what Jesus is talking about. This is not how to be saved. This is how to be a disciple. But Jesus says, if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. I wonder this morning... Are we ashamed of Jesus? Are we ashamed to speak his name? Are we ashamed to speak of what he's done for us? Are we ashamed to share the gospel with somebody? Are we ashamed that people would know that we're Christians, that we're saved, that we're born again? I hope not. Paul said in Philippians 1, it's my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But Paul said, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul said, I don't want to be ashamed of the Lord. Aren't you glad Jesus was not ashamed of us? Amen. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Friend, I want to tell you, I don't want to be ashamed of God. I don't want to be ashamed of my Savior. I don't want to be ashamed of His word. But sometimes we act like we're ashamed, don't we? Sometimes we're a little timid. See, sometimes we're like Peter, and sometimes we stick our foot in our mouth, right? We've all been there. But sometimes we're like the other disciples, and maybe we don't speak up like we should for the Lord. But there are consequences. Lastly, I see there's a celebration. It's found in chapter 9, verse 1. This is a, one continuous 
uh, text. It's divided by, by the chapter here, but look at what it says in chapter 9, verse 1. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Wow. Jesus says, there are some that will be ashamed of me and I'll be ashamed of you. But then he says, there are some that are not ashamed. There are some that you are going to see my power. You're going to see my glory and you're going to experience the fact that it is worth it all when you stand for me. Say, so what's this talking about, chapter 9, verse 1? Well, these next few verses, it shows the transfiguration of Jesus Christ where Peter, James, and John went up on the mountain with Jesus. You know what they got to see? They got to see Jesus in all of his power, in all of his glory, just like someday we will see. And what a wonderful day that's going to be. When we stand before the Lord, the King of Kings, when we stand before the creator of the universe and we see him and we see his power and we see his glory and we will say, I'm glad I live for him down here. I'm glad I served him down here. I'm glad I was faithful to him down here because of all that he's done for me. How could I not live for him? How could I not stand for him? Why would I be ashamed of him when he was so good to me? The Bible tells us there is coming a day when we will see him face to face. 1 John chapter 2, the Bible tells us how we can prepare and not be ashamed when he comes. It says, and now little children, abide in him. You know what that word abide means? It means to be faithful. It means to continue. It means to stay. Be faithful. Uh, uh, stay. Continue in Him. Keep walking with the Lord. Keep serving Him. Keep, keep being close to Him. Uh, keep following Him. Abide in Him that we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. And friend, I want to tell you, I don't want to be ashamed of Him, but I want to be a disciple, a follower, I want to be identified with Jesus Christ. And the good news is, it's whosoever. Did you know you today? I'm not talking about the person next to you. I'm talking about you. You can be a disciple. You can be a follower. Whosoever will come after me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.